0: Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports, brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear.
1: Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Don Callahan talking UNC football recruiting. Don, unfortunately, it's uh, going to be just you and I today. And that's unfortunate because here for the last couple of weeks, we've had Buck Sanders buck adds a lot to the podcast i know you and him have that special special connection bond yeah we do so for everyone listening in we will still plan to do a podcast talking recruiting with buck over the weekend and in light of that i know last time we were on the pod we asked everyone for our top five list to give us their top five mac brown players And since Buck is not available this morning, we will hold off on doing that top five. So everyone has a few more days. You can get those into Don or myself on the message board or contact Don via Twitter. So just wanted to get that out there to start things off. But let's go ahead and jump into the meat of things, Don, because last weekend was the big junior day for the Florida State basketball game there were a ton of guys who ended up making the trip to Chapel Hill. So give us just a very quick rundown to start it off on which players were actually able to make it to that event.
0: Well, um, for those who are Inside Carolina subscribers, you you should know all this already. We, we were confirming recruits as they were arriving um, on the message board. So you were able to see it in real time. We were up constantly updating the list. It was a running list. It wasn't we just didn't post it. At the very end, we posted the or added names to the list as soon as um, as soon as guys were confirmed by, through our sources. Uh, we also have already ran a bunch of stories on the main visitors and we will continue to run stories on the main visitors um, in in the coming days and even into uh, next week. The main guy I think everybody is excited about is Antoine Sampa, a five star linebacker who uh, North Carolina is actually the first school to offer. Getting him back on campus is huge, especially since he he just recently released his uh, his favorite schools list the following day after that visit. Um, so it was good. It, it helped North Carolina kind of solidify its spot on that list. Uh, also, guys like Trent Simpson, who is uh, we'll get into this a little bit later on the podcast, uh, just recently added his fourth his fourth star. Um, and I think this was his third visit this offseason to North Carolina, which is a. a Fans think that recruits should visit every single weekend, every single event. And in reality, the majority of them only make that one visit just because they want to visit other schools. When you get the the rare occurrence when a, a recruit like Trent, uh, Trent Simpson visits North Carolina more than once, uh, it definitely is a, a good sign of where his uh, his leanings are. So obviously North Carolina is definitely a strong competitor at the very least with him, but there's other guys who visited Keandre Lambert. We ran a story on a four-star wide receiver from um, Virginia. He was there. Muhammad Kaba, uh, another guy who just recently added his fourth star. He made a second visit to UNC. Uh, Lemarian James was there. Um, A bunch of UNC commits. Jimmy Christ from um, Virginia, four-star offensive lineman. Um, yeah, you know, there was just a ton of guys there that are major UNC targets and uh if you haven't already paid attention to what we what we've ran, uh definitely go check out Inside Carolina's message board and and the website cuz we we have stories on all the main guys.
1: Yeah, and let's actually start off there Don with the visit by Antoine Sampa because that was the one that as you said made the biggest splash on the message board. It is a big deal whenever a five-star guy can visit Carolina and you know me personally I'm still skeptical of exactly how big of a player Carolina will be in Sampa's recruiting I guess process is the way to put it um, I don't really see Carolina being one of the favorites here do you agree with that is this going to be a very tall task for the Tar Heels to end up amongst like say his his top three?
0: yeah i I think that um North Carolina can't be viewed as the team to beat in this recruitment it just you just can't view him that way. i think uh, he's made a bunch of visits to Penn state um he seems to really like Clemson when he's visited Clemson, so I think those two schools are are the ones that you have to look at if you're looking at you know who's who he's leaning towards the fact that u n c made his favorites list is is obviously a, a huge step if you know if you don't uh if you don't make that list then and obviously um the ground you had to make up is probably insurmountable. So it's a good sign. North Carolina definitely has work to do. I think this past weekend was a move in the right direction for that. Um, But I just wouldn't hold out a whole lot of hope. Um, I think there was a a post uh, like a week ago about uh, the over-under, because we've done over-under on four stars. And uh, I think we've done over-under on um, how many, Commit uh, from the state of North Carolina, UNC will land. But there was actually an over/under of five stars that UNC will sign, and someone just—I mean, they must have—I don't—I don't know what was going on with them that day. Maybe um, smelling some stuff that—that that, uh, kind of racked their <laughs> brain. But their over, their number that they wanted to go with was two. And to me, if I give John, if I give you the over/under of, I think a half. I I think anything more than that is is just you know you got to take the the Carolina blue shades off absolutely. Uh, yeah. If I give you a half over under on on uh, five stars, which which direction
1: are you going? Oh, I'm going the under because five star guys are just so incredibly rare. And even though Mac Brown has done a great job recruiting so far, and I think Carolina will actually end up with a very good class overall. Five star guys, I just don't. I would not put actual money on Carolina landing one until it actually happens. It's kind of one of those things. Um, so well, you, you do have. So you do
0: have. That's saying that UNC won't land Desmond Evans then.
1: Yeah, and and that would be the only one that I think Carolina does have a realistic shot to land is Evans. Mm-hmm. Would I put money on Carolina landing him? No, because he's a national guy, and unfortunately UNC. Even in the past when they have recruited very well, those national guys are just so tough to actually get the commitment from. So I would go the under at .5, but I think that that's where you would actually put an over-under on, on five-star guys. You know, it, it would be fantastic to be wrong on that. We'll see how things play out. Um, but let's go ahead and talk about some of, the, of these other guys, Don, that were there for the junior day. Um Looking at names like Jimmy Christ, who was the four star offensive lineman, I think getting him on campus was a was a big deal. Uh, I know you know Notre Dame has been on him for a long time, but still just getting these guys on campus it doesn't hurt, and it's the same thing with Sampa, even if Carolina's not an ultimate favorite of his, like in the top three, getting these guys on campus you've got to at least do that. Um, I was interested in seeing a lot of the North Carolina guys that were there, like Muhammad Kaba and then Isaiah Fisher-Smith, both guys from from North Carolina. Kaba in particular, looking at the 247 profile, Michael Clark has him as a crystal ball to NC State, but I don't know. I think uh, Kaba is pretty open at this point. What's your take on his situation?
0: Well, I happened to catch up with him a couple of days ago and uh, we actually ran a story with him on, I believe it was on Wednesday. Um, so you can get the full details there, but um, just talking to him now, one, he, he is playing everything close to the vest. He wants to, he's actually going to release his top five list of, and this is just, I guess, narrowing down the schools that he has already visited and there's only been I think seven or so schools he's visited. So he's only going to drop two schools. And I don't think it's going to be a huge step in his recruitment, especially since he has expressed a desire to visit schools further away and keep them in play until he visits them. And then once he visits them, I'm assuming what he'll do is he'll decide whether to bump out a school that's already on his top five in favor of this school or decide to, that he doesn't want to, Uh, visit that school or doesn't want to consider the school any longer. And some of these schools are, are, you know, they're they're recruiting blue bloods like Oklahoma and Notre Dame. And um, I think I saw um, Florida state, I think it was offered him recently. uh, And I'm sure he's going to want to try to visit there. So it's going to get pretty competitive for him, but I think that North Carolina has done a really good job of putting themselves in a great position. And I think at this stage, UNC has to be viewed as one of the teams that you have to overcome to, to secure a verbal commitment from Kaba. And the, the crazy thing, and, and, you know, goes the story that we've read on him goes into detail about this, but um, he said, and this is almost an exact quote. He said UNC was a no for him at one point. And then he just decided to visit them as, as a courtesy of them extending him a scholarship offer. And he just really liked it. And, he decided to make a second visit which i think is a really good sign and um yeah i i think that um north carolina really has put themselves in a really good position with him through those two visits and it's it's going to be a dogfight for him but if unc can keep up the um the positive impressions with these visits you know, this this could land in in their favor and Carolina also had two wide receivers on
1: campus for the junior day. Jari Patterson out of Asheville. And then Keandre Lambert out of Virginia as well. Lambert being a four star guy and then Patterson being a three star. But I just I just thought it was interesting that the Tar Heels are still continuing to try to get apparently another wide receiver in this class, Don. I mean, they've got the pair of four star guys already you know, do you really see Carolina taking one or even possibly more wide receivers in the 2020 class?
0: Yeah, I think UNC will will at least try to take one more. I think there are guys on the board left who UNC has a really good shot with who are elite guys, you know, and while they didn't visit, you have Moose Muhammad, who uh, UNC has been hot on, and uh, Mike Wyman, who hasn't, Shown as much reciprocated interest, but UNC is, is going to stay, stay on. Um, and as you mentioned, Keandre, uh, Keandre Lambert, a four-star guy from Virginia visit North Carolina, uh, this past, uh, junior day. And Jari Patterson is a guy who, um, whose staff really likes. He's probably not getting as much pub as he deserves because he plays in the mountains. But, um, I mean, he's a guy who wherever he ends up will, will, um, make an offensive coordinator very happy um so yeah so i think unc will add at least one uh one more receiver to this class to complement uh josh downs and uh ray greer all right and then the
1: final guy i wanted to get your thoughts on don is tight end kendall Carr out of north carolina three-star guy but i've actually liked what i've seen of Carr. definitely a bigger pass catching tight end you know when you when you're looking at his film and where Carolina stands in his recruitment, how do you think that the Tar Heels
0: are doing in that regard right now? I think um, they're doing a really good job, but I think that there's a couple things in play here that um, could factor in. I think one tight end is not a huge priority for UNC with this class, just because of what they have on their depth chart, and so um, or already have on their on their depth chart, um, and so. They're, they might not um, be recruiting him as hard as some other schools who are in need of a tight end. Uh, the other thing is, is that his stock has really started to rise this off season. He's really started to add, you know add some some pretty impressive offers, and uh, you know he's going to want to visit those schools. So, but you know North Carolina has um, you know has a little bit of a lead on the competition. Yeah, you know, they were one of the first schools. If I believe they were UNC was the first school to offer, and because of that, he's been able to visit North Carolina a bunch in the last, you know, ten months or so. So that gives UNC a little bit of advantage. But yeah, like I said, there's there's the competition is uh, stiffening with Kendall Carr.
1: Let's take a very quick break, Dawn, to talk about our friends at Johnny T-Shirt. Johnny T-Shirt is a longtime partner with Inside Carolina. They are one of the absolute icons on campus. I know that you have been to that store at least once or twice, even though you did not grow up a Carolina fan. So, I mean, I think that just speaks to how big of an influence they have. They have been on Franklin Street for over 35 years locally and alumni owned, and they are the store that is focused solely on Carolina. There are a lot of them there on Franklin Street, but Johnny T-Shirt is still that original. They offer the very best customer service, and on game days, the store is just packed. Um, and Like I said, Don, I mean, you grew up not even in the area, but I'm guessing that you have taken the family and the kids to you know shop at Johnny T-Shirt, pick them up something at various points along the way, right? <laughs>
0: Oh, absolutely. Definitely have and and actually used to be back when Inside Carolina had a magazine, it was the only place that that uh, was allowed to sell <laughs> the magazine. So, if I wanted to pick up a copy, um that's where I would go. But yeah, if if whenever the kids, and my kids even though I didn't grow up here, my kids are Carolina fans and uh, whenever they need a shirt, hat, whatever it may be, uh we head over there to Johnny T-shirt for sure. Uh RIP to the Inside Carolina
1: magazine. But uh, I know a lot of people still hold on to theirs very religiously. But, you know, I just think it does just show how big of a... Chapel Hill icon Johnny t-shirt is so remember that if you need Carolina gear they are going to be your place to go and also the bonus is that if you are an inside Carolina subscriber you get 10% off of your purchases online and in store with a special code keep that in mind for all of these subscribers listening to the podcast but again Johnny t-shirt the place to go for your Carolina gear All right, Don, so let's get back to talking about the recruits that were there on campus for the junior day last weekend. And, you know, kind of the thing that I wanted to touch on is going into the weekend, the common theme on the message board, and I think just, you know, maybe in general amongst the, the Carolina fan base, were the expectations that there would be at least one, maybe a couple commitments coming out of the weekend but instead here we are thursday morning when we are recording this podcast and no commitments yet is that cause for concern you think or is it just you know how recruiting goes sometimes
0: yeah that's just how recruiting goes sometimes you know so i mean it's um i wouldn't worry too much i think unc fans have been a little bit spoiled these past couple of months with the commitments that have come about um and i think also some some you know people are kind of contributing to um that or prying on that hope by um uh throwing out false promises of potential commitments and and I think that this, coming from the football office or some information that just kinda they want to keep the momentum going. So they're kind of throwing out some maybe some uh not true information um in hopes of you know keeping things rolling and 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 in co- hopes of um a recruit kind of picking up on it and and wanting to to jump aboard. But no, I don't think it's that that big of a deal right now. I think that what you're going to see is, and this happens every year, towards the end of this uh, time frame where, you know, in this time frame, what I mean is um, where we have all the junior days going on. And as we start to, to, I guess, have the the last couple of junior days, uh, things just start to die down. And then you have things pick up a little bit when recruits are on campus for, you know, when they're on um, making visits for uh, because they they're on their spring break um, and that sort of thing. And then dies down again um, and picks back up for the summer. And the summer usually ends up June in particular because of that's when all the summer camps take place. Now, that usually is when things really, really, really start to pick up. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry. UNC is in a great position. They're coming out of this this, I guess, um, portion of the recruiting calendar with a very solid uh, commitment list. Um, I, I still wouldn't be surprised to see some additions. You know, at some point, we have the big elite uh, junior day that we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about in our next podcast in, more in depth. Um, and, and something could come out of that. Um, as I said, you know, um, some of these outstaters who haven't been able to visit North Carolina yet, but, but will wait until their spring break to do so something could happen with that. So um, there is some potential to, uh, to land some more within the next, next few months for sure though. Yeah. All
1: right. Yeah. And that's what I was thinking. You know, I was hoping that Carolina would land a couple guys. I like, you know, I had my eye on maybe RJ Adams. I thought that he might go ahead and make a commitment. Um, maybe Kendall Carr, because like you said, Don, you know, Carolina was on him very early But unfortunately, those guys elected to not do anything over the weekend. We'll keep an eye on it, but I'm definitely not worried about this. I think that with that big elite day coming up that you mentioned after Duke, That's the one that I've really got my eye on. So let's go ahead and turn away from last week's Junior Day. Let's talk about the Stock Up, Stock Down article that you posted on Inside Carolina, Don. I thought that this was a very interesting thing here because uh, basically what you did is you went through, I think it was 15 total commits and recruits that are on Carolina's recruiting board. And basically, just you know, went through and said, "Hey, there was a re-ranking. So, what happened with these guys?" Let's go ahead and start with the Carolina commitment, Cameron Roseman St. Clair. Now, he fell out of the top two, four, seven, but he did maintain his four star. I was actually kind of surprised by that, Don, because Roseman St. Clair. I thought, you know, looking at his film and just hearing kind of the buzz around him, I really thought that he was going to be one of those high four-star guys is it maybe a situation where his size is kind of against him since he's not that prototypical, you know, 6'2", 6'3", safety, and he just got dinged a little bit after other guys got evaluated and ranked ahead
0: of him? I don't think so because of, I think that at his, what is he listed at 5'11", or actually on on um, 24-7 Sports profile, he's listed at six feet. 183 pounds. And so, I mean, I think that's solid. And actually, when you see him in person, I mean, he looks like a player. He just has that that broad physique. He's well-built. And I, I've talked to a bunch of the people who are responsible for doing the rankings, including Barton Simmons um, at uh, 24-7 Sports. And I think the main thing with him was, yeah, he makes some plays, but he might not make enough for him to be in the top 247 uh, but because of all of his physical attributes and the fact that he does make plays you know he is deserving of ha- of being a four-star guy so I don't think it's I mean it, it it does for a UNC fan it stinks because he was the only commit who was in the 247 or top 247 and for him to fall out of it it's it's um, not a great feeling.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, you know, as a fan, you always want Carolina guys to be recruited as high as possible. It it is unfortunate whenever they drop, but I think the biggest thing is that he did maintain his four-star ranking, which is obviously huge. And for everyone listening, the full list is posted on Inside Carolina, so you can view that and don't want to go through all 15 guys. But, you know, Don, I think the most surprising drop to me was Jacoby Colin, where he is the defensive tackle North Carolina has been heavily pursuing out of Charlotte. And if I'm reading this right, he actually got moved from a four-star to a three-star. Is that correct?
0: Yes, that is the case on the top two four seven on 24-7 sports rankings. He is now a three-star. And to be honest, in the last, I don't know, few months, I've talked to a lot of... Um, not only just the people who are doing the ranking, who obviously are the ones that are directly i guess uh, responsible for dropping uh, Jacoby Cohen, uh, but uh, I talked to some some um, high school coaches who played against him and um and some some people who know him pretty well and and they didn't feel like he was a four star guy. He has all the physical attributes, moves really well, has very, very good size. A lot of them were concerned with um, you know his physicality. For and his you know in in his uh perhaps a, a lack of a mean streak for a guy that you want to play uh defensive line obviously you know those things are important but uh he'll be able to play with not having that you know high level of intensity but uh i guess the 24/ 7 sports rankers felt like that um without those elements he wasn't Deserving of a four-star ranking any longer, and in some of these situations, you you move guys up, and uh, you only have however many they do for um, for four-star rankings, and uh, you know it forces other guys to move down, and then it bumped him out of the four-star, I guess range, you know. But, uh, but let, yeah. let's we're talking all negative here with it with the uh, the guys whose stock dropped. Uh, there's what I think there's five guys. From the state of North Carolina, who jumped into the top twenty four seven? So, would you, I mean any of those guys really kind of grabbed your attention? Yeah, I think that that
1: Muhammad Kaba, who we actually talked about earlier, Don, he definitely stood out because, as we mentioned, you know, he was a player that Carolina had on campus for the junior day. He went to the number seventy four ranked recruit, top one hundred. That is huge. So he definitely stood out. Other than that, uh, Miles Murphy, I was very pleased to to see him get his four star, the defensive end out of Guilford or high point. I should specify because um, having lived in Greensboro, if you get high point Greensboro confused, people do get upset about that. So I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, with with Miles Murphy, I thought that Carolina was going to be a player in his recruitment. And the fact that he is now up to number 90 overall, those were the two that really stood out to me because I think Carolina is in a good position with both. What about you, man? Which guys who saw their recruiting rankings go up kind of made you raise an eyebrow and think, huh, that might be a a pretty
0: positive thing for Carolina down the line? Well, I think a lot of them, because UNC for in-state guys um, is really um, in a really good spot with them. But I think, let let me just, Throw out the guys to everyone who's listening, if you haven't checked yet, as you mentioned, Muhammad Kaba, a linebacker from Clinton. He jumped from, he was out, he wasn't even, I don't believe he was even ranked, and and now he's in the top 247. Miles Murphy, a defensive end from High Point, High Point Southwest Guilford. Dequarius Conley, a guy that we talked about a lot, who I've said, man, this this is a guy who's super underrated, and hopefully now that he has received his fourth star. He'll start to get a lot more uh, traction, which obviously won't be good for UNC, but he's a safety out of Northside High School in Jacksonville, North Carolina. Trenton Simpson, Listen as an athlete, I think he's definitely a linebacker. He plays uh, for Milo Creek, which is um, an in-state powerhouse just outside of Charlotte. And then the the fifth guy is Kedrick Bigley-Jones, who's a defensive lineman He's actually a a linemate of um, Jacoby Cohen, so he moves from outside of the top two four seven to inside of it. So those five guys, um, I'm actually really happy. Those those are the five guys who I felt like definitely deserved to be four stars. And from a rankings perspective, um, a month or so ago, may not have received the the respect that they deserved for their abilities. So I'm happy that that those guys are now receiving those um, sort of recognition from UNC's perspective. We talked about Trenton Simpson. So um, to see a guy like that, who who really things are trending in the positive direction for North Carolina uh, with him. So to see him in the top two, four, seven is, is a great sign. Uh, Jaquarius Conley is another guy that um, things are trending in the, in the, in the right direction with North Carolina. He's now in there. Uh, we talked about Kaba earlier in the podcast, uh, so it's good to see him. Miles Murphy is a guy that UNC was was the first to offer him, too, and he just has absolutely just blown up so much to the point where he just is kind of in the daze and doesn't know what school he's favoring or anything like that. So it's going to be harder for North Carolina to pull him in. But like I said, UNC was the first to offer. UNC is not that far away from his family. So that those things are going to play into UNC's favor. And the last guy, Bingley Jones, is a guy who was committed to Florida for almost six months. And then, coincidence or not, right about the time that North Carolina started to kind of really gain momentum with him, uh, was right about the time that he decided to withdraw his uh, verbal commitment to the Gators and has really, he's made a, quite a few visits to Chapel Hill. He was supposed to actually be at the junior day, but he had a project the the night before that he was working on for school. And uh, yeah, he was up super late and for guys who are coming from Charlotte, I mean, you got to be at UNC. I think they had to be there around noon. Um, you got to get up at a, at a pretty good time in order to do that. Um, and, to me, I know some of the fans were disappointed in seeing him or not, not seeing him there. But uh, from my perspective, um, having kids of my own, you know, school comes first. So it, if he was up doing a project, I, I completely understand. Uh, and he goes to a very competitive school at Providence Day. So um, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he has some sort of crazy project that he needs to get done in a short amount of time.
1: You know, Don, and I think one of the other big takeaways from looking at the stock up, stock downs, you mentioned those three guys who jumped into the 247. And I just think it speaks to how much talent is in North Carolina for the 2020 class, because I don't think I can remember in recent history, this many four-star guys coming out of the Tar Heels state. I mean, it, it when you're talking about years when you want a coach like Mac Brown, who's going to focus so heavily on in-state guys, and, he's, and he and his assistant coaches have been just crushing the recruiting trail, you know, popping up all over the state, I think that this is the year you wanted to see that. Because you had guys that had their stock fall, like Mitchell Mays, and by fall, you, know, you can put that in quotation marks, because he's still a top 100 player. And we didn't even mention him. Then you have also the wide receiver, Mushin Muhammad, who we've talked about a bunch. Mike Wyman that you mentioned. You know, there is just so much talent this year, Don. You, do you, Can you recall a similar year, like let's go back maybe three or four, where there were just this many high three-star, four-star guys coming out of
0: North Carolina? Without going back, I have like a really bad memory when it comes to uh, looking back too far. Um, So, I mean, I don't even know what I ate for dinner two nights ago, to be honest with you. So I I hesitate to answer that question just because of my really bad memory. But yeah, it definitely feels abnormal. Uh, But I will say the interesting thing with this class is that once you leave that top group of guys, it's a huge drop off. And there's uh, really not so that's a that's a that's the scary thing is that if UNC misses on some of these guys, then they're gonna have to really you know make things work with some out of state guys because I don't know if there's in state guys that are great plan B's. And there's some positions that um it's really kind of tough, you know, like quarterback. Although I'm a huge fan and we haven't talked about him and, and really UNC hasn't offered. He was at the junior day. So Wallace is a guy I really, really, really like and feel like he's deserving of more recognition than what he's received, but outside of him and he hasn't really, I don't think he has any big time offers at all. There's not really any great quarterbacks in state. So for, for quarterbacks, North Carolina is going to have to go out of state for sure. Uh, you know, we talked about Mitchell Mays um but there isn't a whole lot of wide receivers I'm sorry there isn't a whole lot of offensive linemen after him Mitchell Mays is definitely not a wide receiver but uh so there's certain positions where you know North Carolina is not going to be able to find players at that particular position in state so the, you know because of just that drop off but yeah I mean if you're looking at the top guys that group is is a very very impressive group for sure it's just after that group it's your you're kind of scrapping the the bottom of the barrel. Well, like I said, I think that does play in well to
1: the fact that Coach Mac Brown has made it such a priority to recruit those top guys. And you know what, Don? I'm going to kind of put you on the spot a little bit here, buddy, because you asked me earlier about Desmond Evans. We haven't talked about him except for at the very beginning of the podcast. He actually saw his stock, if you can believe it or not, rise. Ah, uh, where he is now in the top fifteen in the entire nation, um, and you have it stated here that he would—he is currently the highest-ranked prospect out of North Carolina since Zamir White, who was in the top ten. I said that I was skeptical of uh, UNC's ability to actually land Evans. Do you think that I'm being overly pessimistic, and the Tar Heels have, you know, maybe a better shot than, than I'm giving them credit for? Or are you taking the more wait-and-see approach with his recruitment?
0: Well, before I get to your question, so I can buy myself a little bit more time, um, one thing I do want to, I guess, put out there, because a lot of fans, there's a lot of guys, and we emphasize this a lot when we started this conversation, was a lot of guys drop. And the unfortunate thing is, is that if you're a guy who has been on this list for a very long time, like a Mitchell Mays, the odds of you moving up are far less than the odds of you dropping. Just because when you have a situation like we had with these five in-state guys jumping into the top 247, well, something has to happen with those guys currently in that group. And you know the, the state of North Carolina isn't the only state that has all of a sudden infused talent into the top 247. So movement is actually very, very common for a guy who has been there. So I think it's really, really impressive that Desmond Evans, especially how high he was already ranked to move up like he has uh, with this previous ranking, it just speaks to just how, how um, highly the evaluators think of him. Uh, but to get to your question, I think USC has a very good shot with him. I think that as it stands right now, he's completely wide open. He has visited North Carolina. He's very comfortable with North Carolina. He's visited there more than any other school Um, I I think I went back and counted with him. Him and I were were kind of sitting there at a, at a photo shoot and we were trying to count all of his visits. I said, I think we got up to nine, I believe. So he's visited there a ton. So I think USC has a great shot, but he's a kid who um, doesn't have any sort of allegiance seems to kind of just be, you know, um, going with the flow a little bit with things. That's why you'll read an article by NC state and NC state writers and he might not bring up North Carolina and it's not because he's not thinking about, you know, well, he's not because he's not considered North Carolina. It's just because at that moment he's talking to NC state writers and you know, North Carolina is not really on his mind. And the same thing happens when, when he's talking to me is that we're, you know, I'm asking questions about North Carolina. And so he doesn't have NC state on his mind at that moment. And that's just the type of kid he is. He's not, um, he's a very go with the flow. Very, very, very laid back. Um, I think, from what I've observed is that his coach is taking a more, um, more hands-on approach with uh, Desmond with his recruitment. And I think that will help kind of give his recruitment some sort of plan and strategy because with the options that he has on the table and and the schools that are recruiting him, this could quickly get completely out of control. And I think it's going to be good for Evans Uh, and and his coach is not going to be choosing to score or anything like that. But what I think his coach is going to do is going to one, tell him, Hey, you know, let's not talk about favorites. And this is what his coach actually has told him. Let's not talk about favorites until we release your favorite schools list. And then after that, then you can talk about favorites and two, you know, let's release this list at such and such time. Let's do this during in this month. Let's make these visits then. And, and, and kind of just give him some sort of structure to his recruitment, which is going to be key when you have, you know, over two dozen scholarship offers, which he has, especially when you have, you know, schools like Alabama and, and uh, you know, the Florida schools, you're hounding him like crazy. And then you have the in-state schools where you have the fan base from one getting mad because the fan base or the, or the, the other school, is posting, you know, a story that excludes them and all this other stuff and him, he's feeling the backlash and he doesn't understand it. So so I think um we'll see more I guess a structure to his recruitment and have a better idea. And I think what will be key is once he comes out with his favorite schools listing, which him and his coach are working on as we speak, that will kind of set the stage for the rest of his re- recruitment and we'll have a better idea but i do think north carolina will make that initial favorite schools listing just because of the fact that you know he's been there so often it's it's a nearby school and he has very good relationships with with the, with the coaches there but uh beyond making that i think we're just gonna have to wait to see how this thing plays out but i do think north carolina has a chance it, it, it would it absolutely would not surprise me if he was a member of this class to be certain You know, and when it comes
1: to Desmond Evans, like a five-star guy, he should absolutely take all the visits that he can. You know, maybe put in an official visit to, like, Hawaii. Go scope out the the scenery out there. Maybe UCLA.
0: Yeah, enjoy it. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I've always said, if I was a recruit, and I never had this opportunity, never came close. But, yes, official visit to Hawaii, official visit to Southern Cal. I'm trying to think of any other great places. Um, I guess Miami would yeah, be a Miami good one too. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. yeah. So, um, the so, yeah, and get, that uh, should be hey, that should be one of our top five, uh, lists, you know, <laughs> the five official visits, you know, well,
1: I mean, for Buck Sanders, it would just be where the best five golf courses are in the entire U S
0: that's true. See, that's why we have to do it because some people are going to have different, different, um, Wants and desires, so yeah, we'll keep that in the back pocket. All right, yeah. now
1: let's go ahead and wrap this one up, man. Just very briefly talking about the move of former quarterback Chaz Surratt to linebacker. I don't think this necessarily came as a surprise that Chaz was was going to be moving positions. I think with the three freshmen or sophomore now, and then true freshman quarterbacks that are expected to kind of take over that role. You know, Chaz just being as athletic as he is, again, I don't think there were too many people that were shocked to hear he was moving. I personally thought he would, would probably get a shot at tight end, but at linebacker, and we, you actually mentioned this off the air, he actually played a little bit of linebacker in high school, so I guess this is maybe more of a more quote-unquote natural move than what some people may think. And since you're the only person that I know who actually saw him play linebacker, what were your thoughts on
0: that, Don? Just very briefly here to wrap things up. So he definitely played a few times a game, played linebacker a few times a game. But him being the quarterback and not only being the quarterback, but being the, the heart and soul and the, you know, the player on his East Lincoln high school teams when he was there. Um, they, they obviously weren't, they, they didn't want their quarterback to get injured while playing defense. So he would only come in on passing downs, usually third downs uh, just purely to provide pressure onto the opposing quarterback. So he'd come in a linebacker and he just would make a beeline to that quarterback. And that was it. So, yeah, I mean, he was very quick off the edge. He was very successful in applying pressure uh, he had quite a few sacks, quite a few um, tackles. Really, he it, he didn't look um, like a fish out of water at all. A couple of people have asked me what I what I thought as far as uh, his transition. You know, when it comes to evaluating linebackers, and there's a couple other positions that are similar, such as you know running back. Same thing is you want to be able to to evaluate the prospects' uh, instincts. You know you know when they're playing, and considering that when Chaz went out there when he was playing linebacker, he was basically so- told you know see quarterback, get quarterback you know there's not a whole lot of instincts in that, so I feel like it if I had to grade the situation, it would be an incomplete grade just because I haven't been able to see that aspect of him, and obviously you can make some sort of um i guess assumptions based off of his quarterback play. Uh, I'm not going to go there on this podcast. Um, but, uh, I think, um, some other people can obviously make their judgments off of, you know, um, off of what they've seen from his quarterback play, but, uh, you know, he's, he's a hardworking kid. He, he has been since, um, since really, since a young age. Um, so I expect him to put his all into, uh, this position and he definitely has the physical tools. I mean, that's, yeah, he's, he's a big athlete with very good size. And so I think that it's it's a very good move for him, and I think um, uh, it was the best move, and, and I'm glad to see that uh, he was open to it.
1: Yeah, I think given Chaz's just natural athleticism and his size, like you mentioned, and just the fact that he's going to be bringing some speed to that linebacker position, I think there's definitely a spot for him. So we will see what reports come out of spring training about Chaz. But Don, we've talked now for a while, man. So let's go ahead and wrap this one up. I do appreciate you talking with me. Give the listeners just a quick preview of what's coming down the line, maybe in the next uh, week or so. And we'll go ahead and call it a day after that.
0: Well, we're just going to continue to cover the recruits who visit for the, the junior day. Um, you know, And we also have some intro stories coming out also. And then obviously we have the elite junior day, which is on march 9th that uh we're what 10 days away for that so we'll start to i guess do some coverage as far as who's going to be there for that so yes so definitely if you're into recruiting you need to be on inside carolina and if you you if you've been listening this long to this podcast obviously you're into recruiting so make sure you're on inside carolina the next few weeks to get full coverage of um The prior junior day and the upcoming junior day. All right, man. Well, for
1: everyone here at Inside Carolina, we do appreciate everyone listening in. And we will talk with everyone again soon.
0: Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.